Dad sang this song to me There was a message in his melody Sweetest lyrics that I ever heard There's a message in the songs of birds Tomorrow is another day Living is the only way Tomorrow's gonna ever come Listen to the words of the song Everything Everything is gonna be Good evening to everyone who has tuned in to this version of Sip of Inspirations podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us. I have a very exciting guest joining me tonight, Eva M. Kennedy. But before we get started, of course, there is some housekeeping. First off, I need you to like this page, to become friends with me, to make comments, to share this with your friends, uh, because we're going to talk a lot about how to create the life that you desire. And that's something we always talk about. So while you're at it and contacting your friends and liking this page, get some paper and a pen because you know I'm, I know you're gonna wanna take some notes. Also, um, this page is Empower DR. That's where we're streaming. I also have a page, Empowerment Doctor, with it all spelled out. I like that page too, but you can't find this show there because we're streaming from Empower DR. And everything ends up in YouTube on my channel. So go out to YouTube and look for a sip of inspiration or inspire, even Stephanie Wilson Gump for the Empowerment Doctor. All of it will get you there. I want you to like that too. And Go to the website, champagneconnection.com. We've got some cool merchandise, I promise. Sometimes I'll wear some on the show, but not tonight. So with that being said, I want to thank you, Eva, for joining me tonight. It is a pleasure to have you. I am so excited, and I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity. I am grateful, and I truly appreciate you. I appreciate you too. So guys, I heard that Eva rocked the house at a recent event uh, in uh, North Chicago, Illinois, Waukegan. So you'll have to tell us about that too. She rocked the house, y'all. Okay. Uh, so let's get started with just some basics. So introduce yourself to the audience, something about you that you think is interesting. It's all interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, again, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I truly appreciate you. Um, and I'm glad you said I rocked the house. That's the feedback you got. So that's making me feel really good and welcome this evening. Again, thank you. Um, but as you introduced me, I'm Eva M. Kennedy. I am a certified life coach. I am the owner or founder, I should say, of a boutique coaching firm. It is called One Evolution. And let me spell that. It's E-V-A-L-U-T-I-O-N. And I am also an author. I've authored three books, and I'm hoping we'll get to talk about them a little bit. And I'm also a breast cancer survivor. And I am excited to be able to spend an hour or so with you this evening. And I'm really a, just excited to be here. So thanks again for joining me. And uh, before we get started with the questions, I've got quite a few. Um, I want to thank Rise for being a sponsor for tonight's show. When you need a supply company to rise to your needs, contact Resource Industrial Supply Equipment. Uh, they've so far been a very good sponsor for us and I really appreciate their support. So let's talk about your journey a little bit at the beginning. So we know you're a life coach now, however, that what that's who you evolved into. So how did you get started and what was your life before life coaching? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> Prior to going into life coaching, uh, first of all, I worked for uh, Allstate Insurance Company for 29 years. And that's how I ended up in Chicago. I'm from the East Coast. I grew up in Boston, although I was born in South Carolina. I was relocated here with my job in 1995. And first of all, I have a history of cancer in my family. And in 1998, I was diagnosed for the first time with breast cancer. But I was blessed and I was fortunate because they caught it in time. It had not spread 
and I had a lumpectomy and I had to go undergo radiation treatment. Now, here's what's interesting. Because I have a history in my family, and this was back in 1998, in my mind, I believed that if I could get beyond the five years, if the cancer didn't come back within the five years, I would be considered a survivor. So I put all my energy and focus on being a survivor. I never really dealt with the cancer emotionally. And I, every year I would get my mammograms. End of the fourth year, I got my mammogram. So I'm coming into the fifth year and I'm rooting for myself and I'm praying, God, I want to be a survivor. Fast forward, six months after I got my mammogram, four months into the new year, I get in the shower. I felt a small kernel, it felt like a small kernel of corn or a black eyed pea. I felt this little lump and I ended up going to the doctor. They did a mammogram and they said it was benign. But thank God I had a doctor who knew my history and treated me as an individual. She said, it's coming out. So the cancer returned on that fifth year. Fast forward. And at that particular time, um, I really didn't, couldn't find any emotional support groups. So what the doctor said to me is that I recommend we remove the breast. And of course I said, you're not taking my breast. I had to process it. Fast forward, I did have the breast removed, but, and it came back in the same breast. Again, unfortunate, no radiation treatment, never had chemo, it had not spread. And that was the beginning of a journey that would lead me to where I am today. So I, again, really didn't deal with it emotionally, had a lot of complications with the reconstructive surgery, but I kept going, I kept going, and I kept going. But here's the thing, every time something would happen, I would focus less on the job, which, and I was married to the job at that time, and more on my own health. And I was physically and emotionally worn out. I had countless surgeries to the point where I stopped telling my friends that I was having surgery. I kept going because what my doctor told me, she said, you will never have to go without your breast. I chose the reconstructive surgery because in my mind, I am always going to have a breast, but I had so many complications, implant in, implant out, healed, unhealed. Um, but I had to keep going because to me in my mind, that was my finish line. And again, I had so many complications in the meantime, fast forward 2006, because this was 2003 when the cancer came back, 2006, I'm still having surgeries, and the company offered a buyout to anyone that would take it, and I was so tired, I took the buyout. What I didn't realize at the time, again, that was that cancer and the way um, all the complications and the trials and tribulations was just a road to put me on a new journey, a new course of life. So I left the company, gave myself permission to take five years off, became a professional volunteer. And then after that, I got stuck. I didn't know what to do with the rest of my life. Oh God, that had to be just as scary as the journey uh, through the cancer process. Oh, it was worse. Ah. Because at that time, everything that I accomplished professionally uh -huh. And I had accomplished career. Everything I had accomplished professionally was insignificant. It was insignificant. I found myself at a point in my life, I didn't know what to do with the rest of my life. I was stuck. But here's the thing. I had this yearning in my soul. I knew there was more to my life. I just didn't know what. I didn't know how to move forward. I didn't know what to do, where to go. I felt anxious. I was afraid. And I jog, I jog the lakefront. And when I jog, I get clarity. And when I jog, I pray. 
So I started praying, God, what is my purpose? Why am I here? I know there is more to my life than this. I know you have more work for me to do because as far back as I can remember, I've mm-hmm. always prayed and asked God to use me to be a blessing to other people. I've Oh, that's been my prayer. So I kept praying. And one day I sat myself down and I wrote out my top five values or my priorities. I call them my values. I identified them, I defined them, and I prioritized them. And I'll give you my first two in order of priority. That's my relationship with God and helping other people. And somehow I ended up in coaching school. I enrolled in in a school to get my life coaching certification. Had not planned on becoming a coach, had not planned on starting a business, just praying and asking God to use me and to lead me to my purpose. And that kind of put me on the journey, on the road that I am on now, and I'm still evolving. So you talked about getting still and setting, sitting down and identifying what your top five priorities are. And that's something I know that we hear all the time. We hear it on the news. We hear it on the internet. We hear it everywhere. So how did, what did it look like when you decided to sit down? So a lot of people think that 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 they have to do a whole lot to sit down to be still. So what did it look like and what questions did you ask and, and how did it evolve through you? Well, first of all, I had this desire. I knew there was more. I knew I couldn't stay where I was. I knew that. I knew there was more to my life. So I was seeking and I was praying. And when I would hear that little still small voice, I would write it down. For instance, like on at the lakefront one day, something said, go, that little still small voice says, identify what's important to you. And that became my guide. So I knew then as I was searching for my purpose and what's next, I knew then whatever I did had to satisfy or be aligned with my top five priorities. This was interesting though, what I didn't know at the time, I was led to coaching school. Now, my relationship with God and helping other people, I had to be able to tap into the person within. I had to be able to work on my own self in order for me to even start to, um, to, to embrace or open up to have a relationship with God. And I had to be able to um, tap into my own source and acknowledge all my own fears and insecurities before I can even help other people. So I was seeking, I was listening. Um, you know, every now and then I'd run into someone. I remember one running into this lady one day in North Rack. I'll never forget <laughs> And she was here on, at some conference and we're both looking at the same item. And we started talking and she looked at me and she said, wait on the Lord, just wait on God. And I'm looking at her like, what is she talking about? I'm tired of waiting, I need to figure it out. I need to know. And I was able to evolve just listening. When I went to coaching school, that was the beginning um, a self-awareness journey for me. I was able to start to tap into my own life and open up. So for those who are listening and you can share with your friends too, uh, since you already have pencil and paper, start to think about and identify what's important to you. That's key. What's important to you and try to do it in a space where it's just you. So you don't have to feel like you have to explain it to anybody else. You know, you just, just you. So that's important. And then that just waiting part. So a lot of us have have trouble waiting. So what did you do while you were waiting? Because I know you just weren't sitting there, but what do you do while you were waiting? (laughs) But, But I think to go back to your point, first of all, to acknowledge, if you want something more for your life, first of all, just acknowledge it. Simply say, I want more. Because what I say all the time, you can't hide from yourself. If you want more, say you want more. And be aware of your feelings because you will be guided. You know, if you are aware of your feelings and you follow, because we have one of the greatest gifts, that's intuition. 
We have a powerful gift and that's intuition, but acknowledge that you want more, say that you want more. And if you need help, get help and then start to seek it. But to your point, know what's important to you because if you don't know what's important to you, if you don't make decisions and choices based on what's important to you, guess what? Other people will make them for you and then you become who they want you to be. All right, that's fact. So what, in your opinion, what was the most difficult part of the process? The most difficult part? Yes, because you know, no one expects difficulty. They just think it's just going to be nice and easy and presented in a nice little present tied with a bow. <laughs> um, dealing with my own fears and insecurities. One of the reasons that I was stuck, and like I said, being in coaching school, and I remember being in coaching school, true story, um, the, we would meet like for a weekend once a month. So for the first three months, go into class and there's about 25 of us sitting around circle, at least initially, and everybody's passing the tissue box because everybody's crying. You know, they, they're having this, these emotional breakthroughs. Now I'm sitting there first three months and I'm like, this is not that serious. I can't believe these people are sitting there crying because you know, I'm not going to cry. Fourth month, I'm being coached and I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, wait, the brother was coaching me. He said, why are you crying? I said, because I'm so tired. Now I'm conscious of the fact that I'm sitting here in the middle of this room crying in front of these people and I am wearing non-waterproof mascara. And here I am. But what I realized is that through my, throughout my life, and I know I'm not the only one, I suppressed my feelings. I masked my feelings. And what happened is I'd become an emotional prisoner and I was holding myself hostage. I didn't know how to be free. And like I said, everything that I accomplished when I was working was insignificant. So now all of a sudden, I don't have this title. I don't have a job and I'm feeling very, very insecure. And I'm withdrawing internally because I'm afraid I'm afraid now all of a sudden to be seen ah. I'm afraid to be seen because when I worked in the corporate world you know I could lay my personality in front of my office and people would know no I'm not gonna bother her today but now all of a sudden I don't have this title who am I what am I supposed to do I know we often find ourselves in that spot. Life changes suddenly for some and not so suddenly for others, but when it does, you don't know exactly what to do. So yeah. you, have, you, have a, you have several books that I think are incredibly interesting. So how do you get the motivation to write your first book? Tell us about that one. Well, the first one actually was a workshop when I was in coaching school. Um, this is the truth. When I was in coaching school, we one of the exercises that we went through is um, determining our life purpose and writing a life purpose statement. And through these exercises, I wrote, I am the voice that inspires others to embrace life. Now, I wrote that, but I couldn't say it out loud because I was petrified. Who are you think, who do you think you are? Fear. Who do you think you are? No one is going to listen to you. What make you think you can help other people? It took me about six months before I could actually say that out loud. And then probably another six months before I shared it with anybody. But when I got my certification, I knew that I wanted to come, and I'm a process-driven person. I worked in the corporate world, remember? So I'm a right. process person. Right. So I knew I wanted to give people something tangible because I, you know, I want to be able to develop something or create something that could help an individual or individuals tap into the person within. I wanted to give them a process that would be ongoing so that they would help them make decisions and choices about their own life. So the first thing I did, I wrote the workshop. It's called Witness the Most Powerful You, Five Fundamental Principles to Create and Live the Life You Desire. I wrote the workshop and I actually authored the workbook. And what I would do, I would write, 
I would run the lakefront. I prayed and whatever would come to me, I would just write it down. I would just write it down. And before I knew it, I had the five principles and I would bring people in and they would give me feedback and I'd make changes. And that's how I did the first one because I really wanted to have something to give to other folks so that they can focus on their own life. That was the first one. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so, and I, you know, after the first one comes, did you say you were never going to write another book? <laughs> you know what? When I wrote the first one, I didn't even think about the fact that I had written a book because I'm still growing and evolving. I'm still um, emotional. You know, I'm still having those days when I want to quit. You know, I'm still having those days when I'm saying, God, this is hard. Um, um, so I don't think when I wrote the first one, it never dawned on me that, okay, I wrote a book or a workshop because I'm still struggling and I'm still growing. I'm still evolving. So what other things that you find difficult in the process? Because I know people listening this evening or whenever they're listening are having the same journey. Um, sometimes I think a, an illness or near-death experience uh, gives you a little bit of clarity because you know you have to move on. I had a basal skull fracture and they told me I was gonna die. And when somebody tells you you're gonna die, uh, all those things and all those people you said you weren't gonna bother anymore, it's really easy to not bother them anymore, right? right? right, uh, right. That, but that seems to be uh, the easiest part of it because now you've got a lot of other things to figure out. So uh, besides identifying what's important, uh, you got through that part. What do you? What would you say was another difficult part of it? People, I want people to embrace the process, but just know that when you do important work, it's not going to be easy. No, nothing's easy. Well, you have to be consistent, number one. You okay. have to be consistent. And there will be days when you just want to stay in bed and pull the covers over your head and say, okay, world, just pass me by because I'm going to stay here today. You have to be consistent, number one. But number two, I think this one, this is probably one is, is at the top. Whatever you decide to do, you have to know why you're doing it. You have to know why you're doing it. Okay. Because when it gets difficult, when it becomes hard, you have you stay connect, you connect to your why. Like I was praying, God, what is my pur purpose? And I was led to coaching purpose statement. I'm the voice that inspires others to embrace life. I had been praying God used me to be a blessing to others. And even when I was in the corporate world, I always helped other people. So I knew somehow my role was to serve. I knew that. And then coaching led me. I could say, this is my purpose. I can honestly say, I truly believe helping women live their best lives. That's my purpose. So when I got to the point where I would get tired or fear, you know, that little negative mm -hmm. self-talk and coaching, we call it the saboteur. Who do you think you are? You are not good and no one's going to listen to you. You have to learn how to manage that but stay connected to your why. So when I would have those days and I would call my friends and they would listen to me, at the end of the day, I truly believe that God was using me and this was my purpose. This is the way he was using me. So that's what would keep me encouraged. And in all honesty, you have to stay prayed up. <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to stay connected. You have to, because that's where faith and hope comes in. You have to exercise your, exercise your faith. And those muscles are weak, but you have to keep working them and working them. And then they become stronger and stronger. And, you know, you have to have faith because you can't always see how things are going to happen. But you know that this is what's been placed on your heart. So you have to come up with a plan and you keep going. You have to be consistent and you have to know why you're doing, why you are doing that, whatever it is you're doing. Yes, that why is incredibly important. And you're right. No one can help you with that. That's between you and God and that yeah. one right there. No one is going to understand your why because it's not their why. It's your why. Right. That's it. That's, that's, it. that's it. That's it. Exactly. Right. But you have to 
be consistent. You have to be obedient. You know, that still small voice, intuition, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. You have to be very present and aware. So when that voice speaks or the spirit speaks, whatever you call it, you have to be obedient. So give us some tips as to some of the things you did to stay consistent, because consistency is an issue. A lot of people do know what they want to do and why they're here, but that consistency or that execution will kill a dream. So, so how do you do that? Well, first of all, there's a couple of things. Number one, you have to be realistic too. See, a lot of times what happens, we will come up with a plan or a goal. Everybody wants to go from zero to 100. No one wants to go from zero to point zero, 0 0.2, point 0.3, 0.5. Everybody wants to be, go from zero to 100. First of all, you have to be realistic. And you, for me, creating small, actionable steps. What can you do today? What can you do in 30 days? Who do you need? What kind of support do you need? Identify the support that you need. Be very, very specific. So if you say, I need my friend Jane, what do you need from your friend Jane? And you celebrate the small steps because that will keep you encouraged and inspired to keep going. But it's like January, everybody wants to lose 50 pounds. You go to the gym in January, the first two weeks, it's full. You go February 1st, nobody's it because they're discouraged. Goal is unrealistic. You're not gonna lose 50 pounds in a month. And then the question is, why do you wanna lose, why, why do you wanna lose the 50 pounds in the first place? Go back to your work. Most of us do that. Yes, yeah, we are having some difficulty. Some difficulty, yeah. You're right. Um, the gym thing is a great exercise. Uh, I remember when I used to do that and that never worked. And as you said, one day I just, I says, what do I like to do? I like to be out in nature. I like to hike. So I started and I started with just a little bit and now I'm up to 30 miles a week. So you're right. You have to start small, small wins are important. And uh, sometimes we want big wins, but yeah. small wins are important. So in your bio, you, and, and as we talked tonight, you are certified professional yes. active coach, CPCC. Mm -hmm. So how do people mm -hmm. contact you so that they can work with you? Well, a couple of ways. Number one, I have a website. It's One Evolution, the number one, just one evolution, E-V-A-L-U-T-I-O-N.com. I have a Facebook business page. It's One Evolution Business and Life Coaching. And I have a personal page, Eva M. Kennedy. And I also have a Facebook group um, that I go in live in every Sunday morning at 7.30 a.m. to do coffee talk. And actually, that's how I wrote my last two books. And it's called You Have the Power, the letter U, have the power. Sorry, sorry guys, it's just for women because- I focus on uh, helping women make meaningful changes so you know that so that they will have the freedom to live the life they desire. So just women, guys. We're sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so feel free to join uh, Eva there and to reach out to her. So tell us about your second book. Okay. Um, now this is funny, but I want to go back uh, to something you said before the okay. uh, the second book. The other thing you have to do is surround yourself with good people, people that believe in you. So even when you first start out, whatever you're doing, and you may not have the confidence, but you surround yourself with people that can hold you up until you're strong enough to be to stand on your own. And in some cases, and you, I think you alluded to this earlier, everybody is not going to want to um, um, be a champion or congratulate you for whatever you're trying to accomplish. There are people, the naysayers, you know, they wanna hold you back right where you are. So I'm a strong believer until you get past the point of needing validation, you keep your dream to yourself or your dreams to yourself, except you identify those people you know are there to support you and hold you up. Yeah, so that's important too, because a lot of times, we will share our dream and someone will say, girl, you know, that's not going to happen. 
and it just, you know, it crushes us. And, and then before we know it, between, you know, someone making that statement and that negative self-talk, before you know it, you start questioning yourself and you don't go forward. So I just wanted to make sure that um, it's important to understand that everybody is not going to be happy for you or, you know. So I'm, sure, I'm sure you heard, girl, you're going to leave that good paying job. You've been there all those years. Why are you leaving that good paying job? Yeah, well, there were some people, but after my closest friend, just based on my history and the cancer, and I was exhausted. It was a, it was a great job, but it was very stressful. But some of my friends, they were glad that I took the, fat, the package and left. But yeah, you're right. They're like, girl, what you going to do with the rest of your life? Right. I, know, I would really start to live and um, evolve into my purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to answer your question on the second book, I started this group. It's called um, You Have the Power on Facebook. And one of my friends said to me, she said, you should go in on Sunday mornings because I think your message would resonate with the women in the group. So I was like, there's no way. Again, I have this fear. Who's going to listen to you? Who do you think you are? And one morning I just got up because a little voice said, do it, do it, do it today, do it today. I just got up and I went live. And before I knew it, I was doing coffee talk at 7.30 and I was sharing an inspirational message. Um, and what I decided to do, I think I started in 2017. And in 2018, I said, well, I'll pull the, um, pull the messages out, put it in a book, have the messages with thought-provoking questions again, to give people something that they can take with themselves so they can focus on their own life. And here's what happened. I had quite a few things going on and I was busy. So a friend of mine was going to write it for me and she had started to write it. Um, but she, you know, wasn't really keeping to the timeline. And lo and behold, February, 2019, I fell and broke my ankle in three places. And part of the healing process, I wrote that Inspirations for the Soul. I wrote it in 30 days. This is the second one. I wrote it in 30 days because <laughs> it was in my spirit, was in my heart. And I was obviously, I was the one that was supposed to write it. And, you know, I had the outlines anyway, but having the outlines and putting the book together was a little bit different. It was a little complicated, but it was already in my spirit and placed in my heart. And obviously I was supposed to write it. I guess at that point you said, God, next time I'm going to sit down before there's a reason for you to sit me down to be still to write these things. So. Well, I'm going to tell you something. What I learned, I learned a couple of powerful lessons. I learned to trust him. I learned to listen. And this, this book was kind of therapy, therapeutic, because I was getting to a point where I was trying to close myself back up again you know, masking again. Mm -hmm. And God said, no, we can't, you can't do that. And this forced me to open up. It forced me to ask for help because I couldn't put weight on it for six to eight weeks. So I, I live by myself and I live in a bi-level bi unit. So I, it forced me to ask for help. It forced me to open up. And uh, yeah, and it forced me to trust God and it forced me to listen. And, and it taught me that I wasn't alone. I wasn't by myself. So have you had a chance to share uh, intimately your stories with other breast cancer survivors and how and what is success stories from that? Because I know you have. I know and you just got the sharing spirit all over you. So yeah, but you know what? Not so much. When I, I, not so much now as I did years ago. Here's the thing. Everybody focuses on breast cancer in what, October breast cancer month? Mm -hmm. um, so, and I've thought about starting like a breast cancer support group, but then I started the You Have the Power group. So not so much, but doing breast cancer awareness month, I do. And every now and then, I mean, I used to volunteer uh, for the American Breast Cancer Society years and years ago, and I would be on in their link, you know, so mm -hmm. they would match me up with someone. But now not so much. Every now and then a friend may reach out to me and say, I know someone, will you talk to them? But, but not so much now. Yeah. Okay. 
I know it's like, it's, um, it's amazing where you find the people who need you or they find you, it's it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's like, they just sort of show up and it was what you needed to. So I know you deal with mostly women, mm-hmm. but how can men benefit from, from, from your experience and your knowledge too? Well, the practices and the processes that I've um, done, they're just not for women specifically. Even when, when I was testing the workshop, I had men in, it, in the workshop as well giving me feedback. I just know that because of my own personal journey, I know if you help a woman, you help a village. But men can benefit, like even my workshop. And even, I mean, men have men buy my books, you know, because they will say, I'm really struggling myself, and my books will help you take action because they are thought-provoking questions that help you focus on your own life. So I just happened to, you know, starting business like who are the people you really want to help? Who's your niche? And I just said, I want to focus on women. And there are women really that are in midlife transition and women who are focusing on leaving, living or leave, living or leaving their legacy are the ones that I mostly attract. I mean, I have coached men, but, um, you know, a few here and there, but mostly it's, um, it's, 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 it's women, but, but of course men, men could benefit too, for sure. So what's the next thing that's brewing in your mind and in your heart? Oh, wow. I know you're still running the lake. So what's the next thing? You know what? I say this all the time. I'm not doing anything else. Well, I just post, I just purchased, (laughs) I just published my latest book, I guess about six weeks ago is Just Leap. And the L is live life for you. The E is expect good things to happen. A is accept the things you can't change. And P is prosper in all areas of your life. Because I'm a strong believer. We are all designed to live an amazing life. And I think there are so many of us that want to make changes and we don't know how. We're afraid of being a failure. We're afraid of being rejected. Uh, We're afraid of being judged. So I'm always going to be doing something to help women uh, create that place in that space where women can feel empowered and feel that they can make the decisions and choices to live their life. Because as a woman, and you know this, we put everybody first. We will stop what we're doing and help someone else achieve what they desire. We will admire other women and think that it's they deserve it, but we won't look at our own life from that perspective. So when you think about some of the statistics that you know the richest place in the world is a cemetery, and then that less than 10% of the people pursue their dreams, it's a huge opportunity. And even greater, um, I did some research, I Googled it actually. And I found that only half of the women in the world pursue their dreams. So when I look at those numbers, I think there's so much work to be done to help women do, you know, to help women focus and live the life they desire because we only get one shot at it. This is it. Right. But to even get to that mindset, to even change, not even change their mind, but for them to hear and believe that they can have what they want and that they're valuable and worthy. Because we look at other people and say, and think they're worthy and we'll praise them and say, but that could never happen for me. And I'm a strong believer. If you really wanted to, it will and can. But to your point, and you said this earlier, it doesn't mean the road will be easy, but life isn't easy. We all go through trials and tribulations. That is so true. I was reading on an article of some statistics about um, adults um, feeling like 
they were not going to be able to achieve their dreams or their goals due to the pandemic. And it's like 50, over 50% of the people who have just given up on that. So for someone who has just given up, uh, as they look around and you just hear doom and gloom stories all the time, what's your advice to them? How do they shake that? What, what should they start to do? Because I know the internet is filled with, you can do it one step at a time or just get started. And that doesn't seem to take hold. So what would you suggest they do? I think- I'm sure some are listening. Yeah, you know what, just, just a couple of things. Number one, get to know the person in the mirror. You know, just, just, get, just, just get to know the person in the mirror um, and love on that person. Love on that person and trust yourself. Trust yourself enough to love you. Trust yourself and believe in yourself. So even if you just start every single day, just look at the person in the mirror, see that person in the mirror. Remember I said small steps, it doesn't have to be. You know, you don't have to get up and, and, and leap today, but you have to start somewhere. If you want something different, then you have to start somewhere. But it could be something as small as getting to know that person in the mirror. We look in the mirror, we're too fat, we're too short, we're too tall, we're too bald, we're too this, we're too that. You know, just look in the mirror and just be with that person in the mirror. Just love, spend time with that person in the mirror. Get to know what that person like. Get to know who that person are. Just start there. Just that simple. Get to know. Because love starts at home. You know, it's the same thing. A lot of times we want to make changes and we, you know, we're looking outside. Everything we need, everything we need, we have within. But it doesn't mean you, you may not need help along the way. So just, just spend time with yourself. Trust yourself. All of us, we have the strong intuition. Believe in yourself. Just something simple. And then if you get past that, acknowledge what it is you want. Remember I said, I wrote down my purpose, life purpose statement. I'm the voice that inspires others to embrace. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't even say it, but I did write it down. And I kept writing it down until I, and I started, eventually I started to say it out loud to myself. And one day I said it out loud. Now I was still thinking I was going to be criticized. It took me, it's a journey. Life is a process of evolution, it's a journey. But if you know what you want, and if you just take one small step at a time and stay connected to your inner being and be present in your life, um, that's a small step, but it's a huge step. So the next thing people like to say is, but I don't have any money to do anything. <laughs> and I know you hear that a lot too. So what's your advice to those people? You know, I think we're conditioned to say it. I, I really do think, you know, because if you want something bad enough, you will find a way. So maybe today you can't go out and buy that house, right? Maybe you can't today. Maybe that dream house is what you want, but maybe you can't go out and buy that house. But here's what, what maybe you can do. So the next time you go shopping, think about what is it that you can cut back on to put a few more extra dollars over here? You know, yeah. or maybe you can go to that school you want to today. But if you want it bad enough, then maybe you can find a school you can do one of those home programs. Maybe you can't get that car you want. And here's the thing too. Think about how you define success. See, we're so driven by and caught up with society because that's all we know. Yeah. You know, think about what's really important to you. Is it the money or is it peace of mind? And some people will say, well, if I had the money, I'd have peace of mind. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but, but but look how many people have money and they still don't have right they still don't have peace of mind right there are people that have money that don't have peace of mind you know <laughs> <There are> people... <laughs> <So true. laughs> you 
look at people sometime and they're complaining. You're like, God, those are rich people's problems. What in the heck do they have to complain about? You know? Yeah, you're but, right. You're you know, right. you just have to start. Um, you just have to start. So what were some of the principles that you learned uh, in the corporate world that you believe have helped you become successful today? I'm going to move because I'm not sure if it, we may be like this because I keep getting that my my um, connection is unstable. So I'm just going to move into the other room. But um, you said, what are some of the things that yeah. I learned? And the corporate world that have helped you uh, have helped you be successful in your own business. Oh, wow. Uh, first of all, having a business plan. <laughs> of course. I'm yeah. right. No, you know, having a business plan um, and setting goals. You have to have goals. I mean, you have to know where you're going, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, just having goals and having some type of follow-up system. You know, it's things like that that you need to make sure that's on point. You know, and, you, and, and integrity. You have to have integrity. But here's, the, here's something that's so powerful too that, that people don't think about. You are a brand. You are a brand. So when you start your company, you are a brand. The minute you walk in a room, people within less than a minute, they already form their opinion of you. So you can't be out here acting one way when you're out here socially and expect you know, being off point and then gonna put your, your business back hat back on on a Monday and expect people to not, you know, acknowledge or, or, or not notice that. So you have to make sure you're a brand, you represent yourself. You know, when you work for a corporation, you walk in, Nike, Nike is a brand, right? Right. You are a brand. So one evolution, I'm Eva Kennedy, I'm the brand. So you always have to be conscious of that. And with social media, sometimes we forget and we put things out there or people are always taking pictures, you know, so you never know. So integrity, you have to be authentic because if you want people to do business with you, then you have to have integrity and you have to be authentic because otherwise people can see right through you. Right? So those That's are some- so of the true. That is so true. Yeah. Yeah, people size you up, start sizing you up <laughs> the minute you walk in and yeah. don't put something sideways on social media. Everybody knows about it. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. So you just have to be conscious of that, that you, you're representing you. You are a brand. So um, as an entrepreneur, and, and you know what? Um, at the end of the day, um, you get to a point in your life where you truly try to be, you want to be your authentic self. So you just have to be conscious of that. And it's okay. And it's okay. So those are some of the things that I've learned. Um, the integrity piece, follow-up, business plan, goals. But, it, you know, that's helped me professionally in my personal life. So how, in, in your personal life, do you find yourself coaching your friends or do you turn it off? <laughs> you kidding me? My friends, don't, they, they wouldn't listen to me anyway. Here's another. Now, that's something that you say that's interesting that I had to learn. Your friends are your friends. That doesn't mean, you know, like they're going to support your business. They're your friends. And, and that's something um, that you just have to deal with. I'm not saying they won't support your business, but they may not. They're your friends and you can't expect them to. This is your business. So, yeah, but no, I don't, I don't coach my friends at all. I, um, I'm very conscious of that. And now I'm at the point where I really don't have to be conscious of it, but I think initially I was con conscious mm -hmm. of that. Um, but no, I don't, I, I don't coach them. Um, what's really interesting because uh, prior to, and, and, and some of them may disagree, disagree with me, but I try not to be as opinionated as I know I can. <laughs> as I know I can be, I try not to be as opinionated. But when, when you accomplish that, you're going to have to coach me on that. 
Well, you try to listen a little bit more, you know, you try to be conscious of it, but I try not to, because what I realize is that they think you're judging them. Well, they, yeah. So I, and I'm very conscious of that. I'm more present in my conversations now than I used to be a lot more present. Okay. And I, that's, that's actually a good thing. Cause I think if we were all more present in all of the conversations we had, we'd help people more, they'd help us. <laughs> and right. uh, yeah, and we would act and people would actually be able to figure out what it is that they are supposed to do with their own lives. Because I think we cross each other's paths also for that very reason too. Yeah, but 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 there are some things that are powerful that I think that I've learned I've, that I'd like to share. Okay. Um, you know, once you start to make changes in your life, you have to be real conscious of your thoughts. I think I talked about that a little bit. So, uh, because your thoughts controls your feelings, your feelings controls your actions, and your actions control your results. So you have to be very conscious of your thoughts and. And you have to be intentional, you know? You have to get to the point when you start thinking negative thoughts, you recognize it immediately and you change your thoughts. Because if you don't, sometimes your negative thoughts can take you down a road that you don't even want to go. So you have to be intentional um, and you have to be focused. You have to stay focused. And those things initially can be very difficult because you are just starting and you have, because you have all these emotions going on. Mm -hmm. So it can be challenging and it can be difficult, but as time passes, it gets easier. Or I, I don't know if the word easier is, is the right word, but it, it becomes manageable because you learn to manage your thoughts. Doesn't mean you still won't have those days where you feel like, ooh, this is, this is tough. Um, and then what, wherever you are in your life, you embrace it. So if you're going through something, you embrace it and you start to learn to look for the lesson. You know, you're like, okay, what's like, I didn't know at the time. Well, I did kind of like when I was going through and having all those surgeries before I left my job, it got to the point where I felt like God was trying to tell me something because I had so many setbacks. And I felt like it was like a gnat flying around in my face. Like, what are you trying to tell me? But when they offered the, you know, the buyout and I took it, I said, oh, now I know. Because each time I had a setback, I focused less on the job and more about my health. Had that not happened, I hadn't, hadn't even thought about leaving that job. Hadn't even thought about it. So what I've learned now, if I'm going through something, okay, what What's the lesson? So I embrace it. I try to sit still and just be still versus pushing back or allowing it to weigh me down. Right. And sometimes the lesson is to be still. Yeah. Sometimes we're, we get too far out in front of us, in front of ourselves and where we need to be. We just need to be. And patience. Ooh, if you think. Oh, now, okay. Let's talk about the hard lesson. <laughs> right patience yeah we want it now oh yesterday if you're me yeah yes but you know as you evolve you realize if it came now you wouldn't even be prepared because you haven't even learned the lesson that you need to learn to be able to manage whatever it is that you're wanting for now i know sometimes people get the lesson, they know they have to move forward and they just can't. They can't seem to find the strength to move forward uh, or make that change. So what's your advice to them on that? They know, you know they need to do it. If you know to get help. See, that's the other thing too. We will need help and won't go get help. Oh, say that again. If you need a therapist, get a therapist. If you need a mentor, get a mentor. If you need a coach, get a coach, but get help. Get help. Yes, get yes. help. Yeah, you yes. owe it to yourself to live your best life. So if there's something that you feel, here's the thing, this is what I learned in coaching. As individuals, we are creative, resourceful, and whole, capable of making our own decisions, but it doesn't mean we won't need help along the way. 
So seek help. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself. Yes. And get still. (laughs) Because sometimes I have found that. So it's like in my in my hikes, it's like you say, it's me and nature and God, and I pray along the way. And it is amazing just the peace of mind and the clarity you get and the messages. It's just amazing. Yes. If you see, and that's what they say, see, you will find knocking the door will be open and keep hope and faith with you. Always keep hope and faith with you. Make them your partners. Hope and faith. Keep hope and faith with you. Um, And, you know, trust and believe in yourself. Believe and trust yourself. Tap into your inner being. Your inner being has all the answers is there to help guide you, tap into your inner being and believe, have faith. Yeah, and trust yourself. I wanna thank you. This has been just wonderful. And uh, for those of you who are tuning in late, I want to remind you to sit down and identify what's important to you. Yes. Five, five things, but uh, at least two, Okay, because I know some people think that's going to take a long time, but five things uh, and don't do it with the cell phone on or or people around just sort of go off by yourself and get some quiet time Uh, and then be sure that when you do that, write those down, then be sure you ask and search and seek for the why. What's your why? I know they've heard me talk about that you got to have more than you've got to want want it for more than money because when the work comes or the money isn't coming in, you still got to love it. So what's the why? That's really important. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for agreeing to be here with me tonight. This has been absolutely fantastic. I want you to remind people where they can get your books again and how they can get in touch with you because I think that if you need help, if you need a coach, you can reach out to one of the best. Oh, you are so kind. But again, <laughs> my business is one, just the number one, single one, evolution. That's E-V-A-L-U-T-I-O-N.com. I'm on Facebook as Eva Kennedy Personal, and I have one, Eva, uh, one Evolution business page, and my books are on Amazon. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Thank you again. And to the audience, I want to remind you to do not go gently into that good night. I want you to find a heel worth taking, and I want you to take it. Be the person you've been waiting for. And as I say, make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous above all else. Do it your way. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor, and life is too short to drink cheap champagne. You guys go have a fantastic day. And above all else, make sure you stick with that why. Good night. And until next time. Bye, Eva. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Hi, this is Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And today I want to encourage you to refuse to be distracted from your goals. Today, I want you to affirm, I put my attention on my goals. I reject all distractions. My focus is exactly where it belongs. I choose my decisions and actions based on my goals. There are three self-reflecting questions I want you to consider. One, what am I committed to achieving? Does my focus support achieving that goal? Two, what are the biggest distractions in my life? What can I do to minimize those distractions? And the third question is, what would happen in the next year if I could avoid 90% of the distractions in my life and work on my goals consistently? Remember, I want you to use these steps and the answers to these questions to determine how you can refuse to be distracted from your goals. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And as I always say, life is too short to drink cheap champagne. Dream big.
Have a great day. Buy me 